What's up, sweetos? Tonight's episode is brought to you by Dormy Golf Workshop. Dormy Golf Workshop was created by PGA Canada members and brothers, Jeff and Todd Bishop. Born and raised in Nova Scotia, Jeff and Todd have traveled the world playing the game they love and have since landed back in Nova Scotia. Through all of their worldly golfing experiences, the dust has settled, and now they offer you this, a handmade leather product that'll rock your socks. Dormy offers US Open covers, custom covers, NHL covers, US and Canada theme covers that are must-have accessories for golfers. Dormy Head Covers was created with the intention of bringing fellow golfers really cool covers and allowing the customer to be involved in the creative process. Real custom leather products that are a hole-in-one. Use code BLHC for free shipping to the U.S. and Canada. For more information about Dormy Workshop, visit their website at dormyworkshop.com. That's dormyworkshop.com, D-O-R-M-I-E workshop.com. You can also follow them on Instagram and Twitter under their handle, at Dormy Workshop. Keep your head up. Hello, welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. We've got another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club. we got 113 tonight, boys. Episode 113. Can you believe it? we got all the usual suspects sitting in the house with us tonight. We have our producer, Patrick Uncle Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our IT guy, our local nerd on staff, the curious one, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how are you, Mom and them? And the all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, sweetos? And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Dr. Morley. Oh, doctor. Meow. Meow. Hey, fellas, we've uh, we got the pleasure of having an awesome guest tonight. Uh, 2020 Stanley Cup uh, winner for the state Tampa Bay Lightning, assistant coach Derek Lalone. How you doing, Derek? I'm good. I had a nice ring to it. I like that. Uh, and <laughs> I like the attitude. I like the energy here. We can have you guys talk to our guys before a game. Yeah, <laughs> we get them fired up, man. Yeah. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> we can do that. I hope you had a couple beverages before you came on, man. It gets you uh, ready for the show. You know what? I had a couple of dinner, and then I kind of winged things out, and then once I heard the intro, I literally went and grabbed an all the IPA and like, get her, I'm like, get yeah, her. I'm get her. Yeah. That's the show, Derek. That's the show. Yes, sir. We definitely encourage a couple adult <laughs> beverages before you get started, you know, just get yeah. the flow going. I, well, I would have been well. drunk. I would have been drunk since I won the cup, so good luck. Good <laughs> luck. <laughs> There were some challenges. I, I After a while, I started taking every other day approach, and that's kind of suited me very well um, uh-huh. to kind of get back in the swing of things. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I have like a two-day hangover, so I might like every other other day because, you know, as you get older, that hangover doesn't go well, away. It changes, the when, you changes <laughs> when you win the cup. It changes when you win the cup. It changes. Uh, that's, that's Much more is. challenging for sure. You got a free pass from everybody, so take it. I love it. Yes. So was your wife like, uh, go ahead and party for a while, or did you have to like kind of still be cool? Yeah, and check it was in? kind of. Uh, well, I've had years of uh, of breaking her in. There's her <laughs> expectations are extremely low for me. <laughs> so, uh, in fact, it's kind of like uh, when we we got off the plane, the whole family met us. And then the next day, it was all it was a blast. But we went and did the boat tour. Uh, parade, which was unbelievable. Um, but the family was with me the whole time, and then we did the rally 
in uh, at the Raven James Stadium, the football stadium, and it was unbelievable. And they were with me the whole time, so it helped nice. out that they could be with us. And I started I started laughing later that I was telling my ten year old daughter that this is it, this actually isn't a Stanley Cup celebration. This is what not to do a Netflix what not to do during the pandemic. Um, so, uh, <laughs> right. so I had a couple there was a couple are you bringing the kids to school tomorrow or are you bringing the kids to hockey and I, kind of, I didn't even answer so see, I kind of just slowly worked my way back into the rotation here the last couple of days yeah how long were you guys away yeah. 65 days and it wow. was uh, about half That's of that bad. was uh, a little more than half of that was in uh, Toronto bubble and then uh, we went to the Edmonton bubble and it was challenging. It was uh, actually the, the most challenging part for me was the Toronto bubble in that we played. Uh, we had one week with just an exhibition game versus Florida, and then we played those three round robin games. And then we ended up winning those first two series in five. It was the downtime. Like we had a week before the other series. It was those downtime. When we were like, you know, there were some moments where like, God, this is uh, this is grinding a little bit. Once we got to Toronto, excuse me, Edmonton, it was an every other day. We were in with our process. It was kind of just uh, rinse and repeat Groundhog Day. It wasn't as bad. And once you start seeing the uh, light at the end of the tunnel and sniffing a little bit, it was kind of uh, all hands on deck going forward. And Boy, it was nice uh, spending that time, as tough as that time was, to ultimately win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it was a pretty darn good feeling. About yeah, I mean, it's it, we we're joking about it, like you know, they're shipping cases of lotion in for these guys. Like, what the fuck are they doing uh, in their downtime, right? And yeah, they got like there was like I find people would be really disappointed on the lack of hatred the perceived NHL rivals have. I think that's a little nature of our sport, but. Man, what I, what was really unique to me, especially early on the bubble, obviously you had the 12 teams there. and Our five teams at Hotel X um, were obviously some of the top teams in the East. But, man, it was nothing to see OV hanging out with Sid, having a beer, Cooch having man. a beer, getting stories. I, I witnessed I witnessed uh, two – I won't say any names. I witnessed two superstar – superstars on a hotel balcony in the afternoon have an argument on who was stronger and they proceeded to a push-up contest uh, <laughs> refereed by another superstar and then they proceeded for another 20-minute argument on an actual proper form of a push-up uh, that was not uncommon on those first couple of weeks it was a really unique situation and, and you know when you look back on it now it was, uh, it was pretty uh Pretty awesome uh, experience for sure. So there was there was beers available for you guys in there, and nonstop, and especially early on, <laughs> of those of those five teams, of those five teams, only one being Pittsburgh, you know, had a meaningful first round game, and and those round robins were legit games, and those were tough games, but it wasn't the same. Like I, I remember sneaking over to watch Toronto. And uh, Columbus playing their first round after we got done one of our round robin games. I'm like, oh my god, this is a completely different level. Um, so we did have we did have the the hotel management group summon the staff one night, and <laughs> it was unbelievable. Big Brother 
cameras everywhere. Most of it was for the, <laughs> the face mask. Thing. Like I would, I would go from our coach's room to our locker room to, to run a meeting and I didn't have my mask. I literally would hear from my trainer text, Hey, put your mask on. Like, that's how much of a big brother, wow. but we had one moment where we summoned the staff then and they basically took us through a four day chronological period of our guys probably not behaving uh, with some late night antics. Knee hockey. When it was not knee hockey. <laughs> and uh, they were, the hotel wasn't very happy, so we had to go address it. And, you know, there was, there was hey, you, you start in this. We can't have this behavior. But in, in a little roundabout way, we also were like, God, we might win this thing. We might have just enough attitude and swagger around here. <laughs> Some of the things we saw on camera, that guy, we might win this thing. So <laughs> it was uh, pretty unique. Nice. Yeah, I mean, what a what a unique way to win the cup, though. You know, it's just it's uh, it's ne- obviously never happened before in this way. And he was talking about what what you guys went through in the bubble and shit. Um, and it's even dude, no fans. You know, like it's just so different than any other situation. Yeah, had to be weird. Uh, I- I thought the fans, it's funny, even as a staff, we were wondering what it would be like. And I had a feeling that once we got playing and once someone hit hit another player and you just started competing, yeah. you forget about the fans. And, and, and literally 10 minutes in, you, it was, it was just about the competition on the ice and you literally thought nothing of it. And, you know the the what I really appreciate, even myself during that pause, I would I would have my ups and downs, and our our GM did a really good job of basically saying we will be playing. Make sure you have everything in order. He relayed the same thing, but about midway through the pause, it, I was listening to the NHL Network on uh, the radio, and um, Aaron Ward, he had he basically said whatever team ends up winning this Stanley Cup it'll go down as the hardest Stanley cup ever to win. And it, and I, that was music to my ears. Cause I didn't know what to think about it. And then when you get there and the mental grind and, and the battle and the competition and the emotional ups and downs, by the time we won that thing and, and to see, to hear pretty much the narrative everywhere I heard that this was the toughest Stanley cup ever to win. It just, it was just sweet and very rewarding when it all ended up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the hardest, hardest championship to win without these circumstances, you yeah. know, let alone what you guys had to go through. It's just amazing. And from a fan standpoint, Derek, the NHL fucking knocked it off the, out of the park. You know, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, sure. even the bubble and, and it was, I guess it's probably human nature to be a little bit skeptical about the bubble. And even when we got there, you know, could we really pull this bubble off and, it's a funny story. I, it didn't seem very funny at the time. I obviously I've already told you about some of our guys starring in some of the late night videos, but for the first <laughs> week, the, the, each team, you would have five different hotels, excuse me, restaurants in the hotel. And like the lightning could only be in this hotel that entire day. So we would just go in and breakfast because we didn't want teams crossing paths. So literally the first day I go in there for breakfast, I see our guys, I see the nice young, pretty waitresses. And then we go for lunch. I see the same thing. And then we go to dinner, and then we're having some beers after dinner. And by the end of dinner, these waitresses that were actually waiting our guys were now sitting having drinks with our guys. 
<laughs> like, oh, geez, this is not, Here we uh, go. The bubble, yeah, the bubble is going to get burst immediately. This is not going to end. <laughs> Literally. The fact, the fact they, they, they pulled it off and to go that long without, without a single positive. Uh, and then when you saw the process, and it is a true bubble, it, it, I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was amazing the league's vision and pulling it off and, and doing it the way they did. Yeah. What was the testing process like, Eric? How many times did you guys get tested? Every day. STDs. Uh, so every day, yeah, every day you would uh, you would have to test by a certain time. And, and our trainer, each team's trainer, was in charge of it. And not only did you have to test um, and you get your, uh, your lanyard, your facial lanyard um, swipes when you tested, you had a clear app. And any time you went from building A to B, and you know, it wasn't many, you literally go from if you're going for the hotel to the practice rink or the hotel to the game rink, you had to have a clear app and you had to take your temperature and, 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 uh, and show it. So it was very intense. It was funny. We, um, there was a girl, I think her name was Lynn was a little more gentle with the nose swab and <laughs> midway through everyone just started going in there and be like, I'm looking for Lynn. Yep. Lynn. You have a line of about 30 Where the fuck people. is Lynn? <laughs> yeah. And then you had the hairy six foot, guy six foot three doctor that was like i can take care like nope i'm waiting for lynn i'm fine she was yeah, really gentle she, yeah. she barely went to the swab in and the other guy was digging trying to get a piece of your brain so there was a lot of little funny little uh, odds and ends with the bubble uh being so unique so the turnaround time, like you, how long, like they would swab you then what was the turnaround time to find out like results? I mean, the people next on the day, street are waiting that, like that, weeks. Yep. That night or to the next day. And we started having that even in phase two when we were in Tampa, uh, we were getting the nose in Tampa. We would take the nose test one day and then a spit test the next day. Uh, the nose test, we would get back about four or five hours later the saliva test we get back in the morning. So it was a pretty quick uh, turnaround. It's amazing uh, just what what it took to the process and everyone just rifling through there and, and uh, what it took to keep everyone safe and um, and uh, negative throughout the whole, the whole period, the whole time. Yes, sir. Derek, how the hell does a guy from Brazier Falls end up with the Tampa Bay Lightning? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Sometimes <laughs> I, I laugh myself. Um, I played my college hockey at Cortland, uh, had a great experience. I say it all the time, you know, I don't care what college you go to. If if, if you love it there and you had a great experience, it, it kind of shapes you going forward. I had everyone sure. convinced that Cortland was a small Ivy school until I got here to Tampa <laughs> and Ryan Callahan is from Rochester. And he's like, you know, he's like, I had four or five really good buddies who went to Cortland and it is not a small Ivy school. Yes. He ruined me in that. So I just, you know, I, I've always, I had a vision. I went to Cortland state. Uh, because I wanted to be a physical education teacher. They had a great program. It made all kinds of sense for me. And then I got out. I, I had an opportunity to be a graduate assistant at the Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts, Division Three program back in the day. And basically, I'd be the assistant ice hockey coach, and they'd pay for my master's. And I was able to get a master's in education administration. Kind of just still had that vision of uh, being a physical education teacher, uh, the high school hockey coach somewhere, and 
And if that learned, led to administration, maybe an uh, athletic director, it was kind of my path. And then Al McCormick, my old coach in Cortland, uh, started a program in Lebanon Valley. I spent two years with him there. Uh, and then I was kind of getting, I was in that crossroads. I was still young. I was still only 23 years old. I, uh, you know, I got out of college at 21. I was very young. I went to college at 17, which was way too young. Um, but I <laughs> had that never legal of, <laughs> to yeah, drink errors. I had that. Yeah. That was a, yeah. And I, I didn't act like I wasn't legal, but anyhow, I, uh, <laughs> I had that, that crossroads where I was starting to get offered that, 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 that vision I had. I, here's, your, here's your high school physical education job. Here's your, your hockey coach. And then I got a phone call from Phil Grady, who's coaching Hamilton College. Well, like, Derek, I've seen him on the road. I have moved coaches on to the Division One level. I think you're of that caliber. So I spent two years there. And probably the one, the phone call I got, Bob Daniels called me from Fair State University. Jeff Blaschel, who's now the head coach of Detroit Red Wings, had moved on from Ferris. They had an opening. And from that point on, that was, I was going to be uh, probably coach for a living. I spent uh, some time there. We had unbelievable success. I, I was there for the Chris Kunitz era at Ferris. So we won our first, CCHA championship, and that was a big deal there, you know, finishing ahead of the Michigan, the Michigan States, the Notre Dames. Uh, yeah. Parlayed that success into going to be an assistant at the University of Denver. Um, again, much different where you're expected to win, but a, a lot of success there too. And then I knew I had to cut my teeth as a head coach, and people do that uh, in the USHL. Uh, I was fortunate enough to become a head coach and general manager of Green Bay, I ran into a really good team there. Uh, my first year, we won a national championship. We broke every record, the league season record there was. I just had a really good team. And then the really unique phone call, I just I just assumed I was going to be in, a, a Division One head coach. And if there was a, a, a NC2A job opening in those couple of years I was at Green Bay, an AD had reached out to me. And I, it wasn't to say I was going to be selective, but I was starting to put myself in the position where I would I would want a divisional program where I, I, I think I could be successful. And out of nowhere, the Detroit Red Wings called me, and they're like, hey, this is a new era. This is a salary cap era. We need to take our ECHL team serious. Which is this something you'd be interested in? And I never even thought about pro hockey. It never crossed my mind. Or And then when I looked into it, um, outside of the five, six, seven Red Wing contracts, I could build my own team. And I've had some GM experience. I kind of knew that player pool that was coming out uh, ready to play pro hockey. I jumped at it. We turned a last place team into a first place team. We had a 58 point turnaround. Wow. Uh, the best yeah. in pro hockey to this day. Uh, that parlayed me. I had um, two years there. I'd in about a two-week span, I interviewed for the head coaching job for San Diego, uh, for Anaheim in the American Hockey League. Didn't get that job. About a week later, I interviewed for the Binghamton uh, Senators head coaching job, which was the American Hockey League of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, kind of came down to two people. Uh, Pierre Dorian had called me in the morning saying they went in a different direction. And literally an hour later, the Minnesota Wild had called me. And by a week later, I was their American Hockey League head coach hmm. in um, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, turned that around. We improved 23 points from the previous year. Spent two years there. 
And then kind of the phone call that I wouldn't say changed my life, but it, it turned me into a Stanley Cup champion. In 2018, the Tampa Bay Lightning had lost to the Washington Capitals in the Eastern Conference Finals in Game, game 7. And uh, John Cooper had called me the very next morning. He says, listen, I'm going to make some changes on my staff. Is this something you'd be interested in? And I said, you know, give me a few days. I thought about it, and I called him back and said, no. I I just got uh, renewed. I got a two-year extension to be the Iowa Wild head coach. I had a really good relationship with Chuck Fletcher, a general manager of Minnesota. I thought I needed more growth as a head coach. And then a week later, Chuck Fletcher got fired. And yeah. then they brought in Paul Fenton, and then Coop called me back. And he said, let's come down, take a look. I came down, hit it off, uh, get a vision of what his staff wanted to look like, the role I was going to play in it. And I said yes. And two years later, I, I, it's still surreal. Um, I'm, 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 I'm hoisting the Stanley Cup uh, after awesome. winning the thing. It's, uh, it's been quite a ride. Awesome. What do you do? Shit, you, you like shit out fairy dust or something or what? <laughs> it was yeah, it was like uh, I will say one and just one thing that uh, one thing I I really have always done my whole career and I always lived in the moment. Like every job I'd ever done, it was about being great at that job, not looking ahead. It wasn't about the next level. And it just always took care of itself. And I took that same approach everywhere I've gone, and I'm taking that same approach here. And it's just, again, I've been very fortunate to be around really good organizations and good people and obviously talented teams. But it's been, it's been, uh, I wish I could tell you what the uh, the formula was on, like someone told me the other day, I, I, I was, I'm behind the bench, 70% of the time I'm behind the bench, we've won. And I'm like, God almighty, like I, I am lucky. Like, they, 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 <laughs> God, God didn't bless me with good luck, but He blessed me with with luck. And I'm like, I I will take luck over good luck, luck anytime, anytime. So it's been an unbelievable yeah. ride, and knocked on wood, hopefully just starting. Well, now John Cooper wasn't he? Uh, he was in Green Bay, wasn't he, for a little bit? Any connection there? He was. He was the head coach in Green Bay. Two coaches before me, and actually, our relations start relationship started when he was. I was at Fair State. And he was actually a lawyer in the Detroit area. And he started to coach AAA midget hockey there. And at Ferris State, if you had some dirt under your nails and could barely get through the clearinghouse, we were recruiting you. Uh, We (laughs) loved that that type of kid. And he seemed to have a lot of those type of kids. Um, So we just built a relationship, a little trust. It seemed like every time we were at a hockey event, when it ended up being about two o'clock, it was him and I at the bar together and uh, we just kind of hit it off and we've always had a good relationship and uh, he's, he, we've always stayed in, cl- in touch and stayed close. And uh, it was a great, I, I wasn't surprised um, when he called me, uh, but at the same time, it, you know, it started to become real, you know, this is the national hockey league and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that everyone's been calling you uh, throughout your career that you're a, a stand-up guy. And, uh, you know, I just want to mention that uh, Pat Martin helped us uh, get you on the podcast tonight. Um, and, uh, Thanks, Pat. Yeah, he said a lot about you. Um, you know, he, did have, he did have one one thing to ask about shaving cream, man. I don't know what that is. I don't know if retired? that's PG or what it is. But, 
Do well, it's funny. Has... So shaving cream, it, it's, I'll, I'll lead it even to our Stanley Cup party. So <laughs> shaving cream, man, um, first of all, Pat Martin is a really good friend of mine. Uh, we were teammates at Cortland State. Um, and he obviously texted me, hey, can you come on with these guys? And I'm like, the second they mentioned Pat Martin, I was in. Uh, I didn't know you actually had a credible blog, but I was impressed, actually, when I actually looked into it. Uh, but it, legend has it, when we were in uh, Portland and we would have one of our hockey parties, um, someone would start, we'd get the little shaving cream man chant, and it was never me. It was always usually in that little, little five foot seven, 175 pound guy. Uh, but I was wrongfully accused many times in my life. Uh, we would take, you take a. Uh, this person who I'm, I, who I never condoned, and I was never happy with any of my teammates when they did it. But they would rush through the party, and they would literally they would they would go right through the party. They would shower. They'd be back in the middle of the dance floor in the party, in no lie, ninety seconds. And then we started pointing the blame game. So there is some truth to that, but it was never me. And it's funny. Um, it was just really unique having uh, experiencing uh, the Stanley Cup run with Zach Bogosian. I have a relationship with Zach, actually know his dad really well, was probably better friends with his older brother, Aaron. But just we have a lot of mutual friends, the Tile brothers who I played college hockey with, or just sure. it's at that machine crew. And some stories like this, which aren't true, uh, got to him. <laughs> he was actually spreading to the boys. And I think the boys had some expectations of me if we did pull the Stanley Cup off and – and I said, see, it was never me. You guys are going to get very disappointed. But we had some fun with it and had a good time uh, that nice. night. Nice. Yeah, I was actually at the Tile tournament. I think it was like two summers ago. And I think Shaving Cream Man went through there. But I don't think it was you. It might have been somebody else. Nope, nope. It definitely wasn't me. I've told my wife <laughs> it's never, ever been me. And um, when it does happen, and I'm witness to it, I, I do enjoy the guy, he seems like a heck of a guy, but no, it's never, ever been me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. The Tiles are good people. Um, Jeff and obviously his brother, Mark, was a, was a great guy. And uh, um, so his Messina connections are, um, you know, pretty cool. There's work hand boys, but, you know, when you're from the North Country, all those hockey guys. We and, all blend know, in. Blend yeah, in for sure. Appreciate, I appreciate that competition Anything? for sure. Yeah, anything North Country. Obviously, Mike Mahoney is a really close friend of mine, and uh, I know Pat, both of, yeah, both those boys. They had a nice little run there um, with their team heading to the Final Four a year ago, which I thought it was neat. I'm always following, and I'm always in tune to those things. And I love everything North Country. I I'm so proud. I grew up there. I I, I make sure I get home once a year. A lot of my closest friends are still from the North Country, and I loved everything about it. Well, you definitely got a head coaching job at uh, St. Lawrence uh, Central if you ever need one. But uh, <laughs> are, are, you, uh, are, are you guys getting the cop? Or I've heard rumors on social media that uh, they're not letting you guys take the cop. What's the story on that? Yeah, it, we're still, it sounds like the, the initial word, and, you know, the last two weeks have been absolutely outstanding. We've we've had some good times with it and just being around it. And just really appreciate the opportunity, some of the things we've done with it in the last couple of weeks. But. It sounds like uh, right now I think the league is uh, talking about you will get your day with the cup, but it's going to be staying in Tampa under oh, okay. some some strict restrictions. Obviously, we're in a pandemic right now. I, I don't think the way we handled ourselves in the initial parade <laughs> party probably didn't do ourselves any favors uh, with the league. 
So I, I know there's been a little bit of pushback uh, on that. Obviously, I would love to bring it home to Brazier. It would be an absolute, it's an absolute dream of mine. I'd love to share it with that community. And just even um, just the experience of this playoff run and, the, you know, a lot of my good friends are still at home. I had a text exchange with uh, about 10 of my Brazier buddies growing up with. They come to every city I've ever coached in. And I think they've been really happy. They, they, like it's a lot different going to Green Bay or Toledo to a suite in the National Hockey League. I think they've been very happy. <laughs> like I think it's they're like it's about time we get some real things up there. But I had a text exchange with them, and I had text exchange with about twenty of my college teammates, and it felt like they were just along the whole time. And you know, we would text that that hour before the game. We've done our work. We've done our meetings. It's it's the cra- it's the worst time there is. You're so anxious to get starting, and there's really nothing to do. And and I would text those guys. They couldn't believe it. They knew if Stan Coase or Point was playing before anyone. Just to have that connection with those guys, it was just it was awesome. Just a unique experience. Cool. Hey Derek, this is Derek. I just wanted to say that because I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> um, same too. Listen. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I live like 300 yards away from Pat Martin. Honestly, he lives on the same road that I live on. No kidding. Like down, down the road, like 300, 300 yards. But, um, so who, who are you going to be the next head coach of you think? Uh-oh. You know what? I, I, I get this question a lot. You know what was exciting for me? I, I had about three of my players and guys I respect come up to me during our Stanley cup celebration and said, you're going to be a head coach. You're, you're really good. I love your meetings. And that, you know, again, when it comes from your peers or guys like that, that meant a lot to me. But, you know, if it happens, great. But it's like I mentioned earlier, I've always lived in the moment. I understand how hard uh, those jobs are to come by. It's probably the only uh, life-changing job. Obviously, you get one head coaching job, you know, a, a contract like that. I could be able to set my family up for a while um, yeah. really well. So obviously it'd be a dream. I, I would love that opportunity. I think I can handle that opportunity, but I know they're hard to come by. And if it comes great, if it doesn't, I, you know, it doesn't, it wouldn't bother me a single bit. And it's, it's all part of kind of how my whole career has always gone. I've always tried to be great at the job I'm in. And fortunately that phone has always kept ringing. So uh, we'll live in the moment and we keep having success and we keep doing things like we did this year and we can do it again and again. Uh, you know, maybe we'll force the hand of someone. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Had to yeah, ask I mean, that. Just, just a matter of time though, man, just a matter of yeah. time. Yeah. So I, I mean, obviously... what... go ahead. Dave. I've had an agent for about my whole career. Just an agent's kind of helped me out my contracts, but it's funny. I've actually had of late. I've had a couple coach specific agents reach out to me, but it sounds like I'm all set with you. <laughs> the way you, the confidence you just, you just said. So uh, I appreciate that. Well, you know, again, we'll, we'll just, we'll play it. This is a, uh, this can be a very unforgiving uh, league too. We found out the hard way last year when we broke an NHL record, we're winning 62 games and we got swept in the first round. You know, it's probably the first time in my career when we went in and to meet with the GM, like I might get fired. So it's yeah. a very unforgiving league. So obviously we're on a, a really high right now, but this this is the best of the best, and it's it's a very tough league. So little wake little wake up call, it. but you guys answered the bell. Uh, that, sure. that you took the words right out of my mouth. 
that much more rewarding to go through that experience. And then even for us as a staff to, to, to try to tackle some things with our neutral zone, you know, our D zone, be a little more predictable, some of our breakout habits and, and, you know, to do all those things and to see it work and to buy in from our guys. Um, it's, it's for sure after that huge disappointment last year, it's just even been that much more rewarding. Speaking of, uh, Speaking of Pat Martin, um, you know, he kind of has the same build as Pat Maroon. Uh, we saw Pat Maroon <laughs> on a bunch of uh, social media tweets. He's just, uh, the shirt was made. He, he could be the shaving yeah. cream, right? He would. I, it's funny. Him and Pat Maroon, they skate the same. Pat Martin Pat Maroon get around the ice around the same way. And they actually have some <laughs> slick hands, too. They're probably pretty similar at Flip different levels. But, no. Pat Maroon would have no problem. Uh, usually those parties back in the day, you had to talk someone into it. And obviously we, we, they, the boys like to spread that guy around a little bit. I don't think you'd have to talk uh, Pat Maroon into it that hard. I think that would be a really easy conversation. And he would have done that a hard way. But what a funny story. I actually, I actually I recruited and submitted Pat Martin back in the day to Fair State. Uh, and unfortunately, I had left Ferris to go to Denver, and then he went to London in the OHL. Obviously, a good decision for him at the time he spent in the NHL. But it was just really neat how hockey's such a small world, small circle yeah. that relationship. And we still talk about all, this all the time uh, when he was going to Fair State back in the day. But Pat was a big part of why we won and a lot of it had to do it on the ice but more importantly what he brought to our locker room he's quite a character what's his nickname uh, we call him fat pat we call him <laughs> fat pat and uh awesome. we call him that for years and but it's just he's just and, and just the the winner and just the obviously he scored the game seven overtime goal last year but i don't know how closely you guys watch but I think three of our overtime goals this year, he was on the ice for, and he was only averaging, you know, 10 to 12 minutes a game. And God, he's just, we would win. He just have that character. We'd come in in overtime. He's like, see, see Newsy, see Newsy, put me on the ice. You want to win? Put me on the ice. Make sure you tell your buddy that. Put me on the ice. He's nice. just, it's just something about him. And, you know, he, we're, we're in Boston. He, he does a low play wrap around plot banks home, the game winner, you know, Game four in the Santa Cup Finals, he's setting the screen when Shattenkirk would be. It's just, it's amazing. He literally is around it. He just that just has that knack of being around it and, and why he's a special, uh, unique piece of the puzzle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay, I'm going to switch, you know, switch gears a little bit, lighten this up a bit. Um, you know, going from to Des Moines to, uh, to Tampa is huge. Uh, I spent uh, a little over four years, five years in St. Pete, um, you know, just blacked out running around that place. It was amazing. Um, but what was, you know, what's a, what do you think of Tampa? How's the city for you? And where do you guys, you know, where do you frequent? Yeah, I love Tampa. Um, the weather obviously makes it that much more better. But we live in South Tampa, which was, you know, people suggested us moving to South Tampa. And I, my last couple stops were in the Midwest, and you get a lot of bang for your buck. So, my poor kids, we, we moved to South Tampa. We finally make the NHL. We're living in half the size of the house we did uh, in the Midwest. So that was uh, that was a unique conversation in itself. But 
for me, there's there's all of that and then some. It, it, you, it does honestly feel like you're on vacation the whole time. The weather is unique. But for me, this was uh, family-wise, this was the first arc- – Every move was always so easy because it was almost like an adventure. The kids were so young. It was a step in league. It was a step in salary. Like, it was just such positive momentum. This was the first time our kids, it was real. Like, they had friends in school. We loved Des Moines. It was a really unique small city uh, that was an awesome place to raise a family. And so this was the first one I was very hesitant about coming here. And for whatever reason, it was an absolute home run. Uh, the kids love it. They immediately, we, we, uh, we chose, uh, we've always done the Catholic school thing here, uh, moving along in my coaching career. One, we thought it'd be an easy transition. Another thing, we believe in it as a family. And for whatever reason, from day one, this was an absolute home run. So it's such a reality. You always worry about it. Uh, but this has been a home run and we've even talked as a family. This, this might be the home spot, uh, for the rest of our life. So nice. See how it happens. I love how you said, but let's uh, lighten it up a little bit. We're literally talking shaving cream, man, and Pat Maroon in the locker room. <laughs> yeah. How do you, how do you lighten your like, okay, let's, Yeah, let's lighten this up now. It's everything you think of. I, you know, I live a half mile off Bayshore Avenue, and I'm always biking, walking the dog down there. It's, it's, it's been awesome. Have you made it to Gasparilla yet? Oh, yeah, Gasparilla. It, it starts right by oh. our house here. So oh, here awesome. we do the kid we we do the kid parade uh, as a family. We take our bikes and we we ride up and down Bayshore and and then um, we will drop the kids off about two in the afternoon and then we'll go partake in the adult version of <laughs> Gasparilla. Let and them it is, uh, <laughs> That's an experience you almost have to see it to believe it. And I right when I think I've seen it all too. Uh, yeah. That thing is absolutely crazy. Do they still have the the Red Bull food tog or whatever that is? Yeah, you know what that yeah. is? Yeah, it's the uh, it's I, I, it's the boat thing, right? It's the the boat thing on the bay here. Like uh, oh, well, no, the red tide. Yeah, it, no, it was. Uh, they used to make planes or whatever out of whatever whatever they could. Whatever the they red could come bull, up no, with. I have not seen. I know that, but no, I have not seen that, or I haven't been fortunate enough to partake in that uh, when I've been down here. Oh, that's a lot of fun too. But for for those of you that don't know, what they do is they make like their their own little you know plane concoction or whatever, and you have to drive it off the roof of whatever <laughs> building it is, and it's to yeah. see who goes the furthest, right? And everybody <laughs> just crashes and burns and goes straight down. Everything you know just blows up into you know dust. Oh, Lord knows you drop like a rock, Robbie. <laughs> oh yeah, ton of bricks. <laughs> yeah, so it's a uh, you know, I mean, what a what a uh, I mean, I was gonna say earlier when you were saying that you know uh, last year everybody's like, how the fuck does Tampa get you know knocked out in the first round of the playoffs? Uh, you know, and then you know, it was in the back of everybody's mind this year is like, what are they gonna do in the playoffs this year? And um, you know, I was kind of thinking like, I think Tampa's gonna you know go far, and you know, just uh, to see Zach Bogosian. Uh, we joke about it on the podcast how they sent him to the AHL and he said, "Fuck you, I'm not going." Then he goes down to Tampa, and, and what an awesome experience for him! Uh, you know, especially to be you know out of the lineup, then back in the lineup for the the game that he won the cup. It was awesome to see him uh, actually be on the ice for the last game. 
um, you know, being North country people, obviously rooting for Zach and, and, you know, for him to be, you know, a little bit longer in the, in the tooth in his career, uh, you know, so, so awesome for the people of the North country to see that for you, for him. Uh, there's not too many besides Jimmy Howard, you know, there's not too many times this has ever happened before. So there's that, that community up there has just been watching and, and seeing you guys have success. And, you know, I'll go, I'll go ahead and say for the record, you know, I'm a Sabres fan. Fucking pissed oh, here we off. go. Two years in a row. <laughs> yes. They got rid of O'Reilly. He wins the fucking cup. They fucked Bogosian. He wins the cup. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as Tampa picked him up, I was on the Tampa bandwagon immediately. Um, you know, just for you guys and Bogosian and, you know, yeah. for the North, North Country Homers. And there's a there's a scout too, right, Derek? There's a scout uh, from Brian Brian Putnam. Brian Putnam. Brian Putnam from Potsdam, really good friend of mine. Uh, played his college hockey at UNH. Uh, been with the organization a long time. Always had a really good relationship with him. Really neat to experience it with those guys, especially Zach. You know, you talked about that North Country uh, connection. It was real. Um, there was a bond there, uh, when we picked Zach up, obviously I had a pre-existing relationship with him, uh, but just, he played so well for us and we picked him up for D depth and sure enough, we had injuries and he exceeded our expectations. And then some, he was an unbelievable part of our locker room. And, uh, you know, to think someday I would win a Stanley cup and then to do it with a Messina boy. Um, you know, and we talked about, we had that, we, you know, we probably had we, every time we would win a round, we would have a party, uh, in the bubble. We would have, we'd, we'd, we'd uh, rent a bar out and we'd have a party and we'd always send that, that Messina group had a couple Brazier guys on there. Uh, Mark Morris was on there. Just people that we had mutual relationships with is probably 18 to 20 deep. And we would send, um, uh, we'd send that picture and, and Zach would, you know, in his confident swagger way, one down, three to go, two down, two to go, Eastern Conference champs. We sent a picture and and had a blast. It's funny, when we won the Eastern Conference Championship, we played game six of the golf league in which we both partake, part, played in at Messina Country Club with all of our mutual hockey buddies, that group of Messina hockey guys in there. Um, we had, they actually find us. For not playing that night, for not showing up. I'm <laughs> all watching the game, and we were in the background uh, winning the Eastern Conference Championship. So uh, to to do it with him, and then to, for us to get back the next day and to see his dad and his brother um, show up and to experience that with them, it was just it made it even that awesome. much more sweet. And it was uh, it was absolutely spectacular. I I gotta ask you somewhat a serious question, Greg. Why? Why did he get? Uh, you know, did he get benched? Did he get hurt? How come he sat a couple of years? No, ago? no. Yeah. And we 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 had full confidence in Zach. We, we really liked. We were going. If you, I don't know how close you guys watched the playoffs, but we were going eleven and seven throughout the playoffs. Mm -hmm. One, I think, it. We wanted Luke Shen on the ice. Luke Shen kind of policed some things. Um, anybody took some liberties with our skill. Luke was there to either take liberties with their skill or make sure they do do it again. So we really liked what we started to get gassed. Uh, we were, was asking too much of our forwards. Some of our top forwards, the Kucherovs and the points were banged up a little bit. So we couldn't go 11 and seven anymore. And we've always had a really high like for uh, Jan Ruda and uh, Jan Ruda and 
Hedman have had some really good success together. Analytically, they've been a top pair within the league. And, and Ruda was out the whole time. So the, the one time Ruda got healthy, we wanted to give him another crack. Unfortunately, uh, Zach was the odd man out. And then we ended up just winning three in a row. So we just we kind of had an inst- a gut and feel to get Zach back in. We thought he would give us a little boost. But we just kept with it because we were winning. And then, sure, sure enough, we lose – Game five, it was a no-brainer to get Zach in in game six, and he was just dynamite. He, he gave us exactly what we wanted. He was an absolute stud in that game, a big hit early on. He managed yeah. the puck unbelievably well. And obviously it was sweet for him. And uh, and one thing to win a Stanley Cup, but to, to play like he did and be such a big part of it is uh, just that much more rewarding. So uh, that's kind of how that played out, and it all worked out. Uh, for the best, uh, yeah. And uh, uh, I think we did the right thing, uh, uh, and up, you know, ultimately we we both got to enjoy the Stanley Cup after. How about how about Stamkos getting one shift and fucking sniping that? It's going down in history. It was absolutely amazing. You honestly, <laughs> you could not have scripted it any better. One we. It was a tough blow not having Stamkos for the playoffs, but fortunately we kind of knew going into the playoffs that we weren't going to have Stamkos, and we probably weren't going to have him the whole the whole playoff. So it, it kind of got our guys around it mentally, and obviously we performed, and right from the get-go we were clicking on all cylinders. And then right around the towards the end of the conference finals, he's you know he started ramping up a little bit more in the ace skates. And then he was like, I want to play. I think I can play. And to his credit, Jeff Helper and I will run a lot of those, those um, ace skates. And I put him through a couple skates. Like, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy. But we needed to know he could get through a game. The worst thing we could do with the, with the energy we were getting zapped in the forward group was basically exactly what happened, where he could only give us five shifts and he couldn't play and we were short and bench. And, he was probably actually ready the previous game, and we elected not to play him. And um, it was probably the right decision. We ended up winning that night. And then the next night, uh, a little bit of, you know, a little gut feel by us, but a little bit of his want and push, uh, he talked us into putting him in, and we put him in, and it happened exactly what we had hoped not to. He only could only play two minutes, but man, the two minutes he gave us. <laughs> first shot, first goal. Not scripted it. I don't know if you guys just recall that game, but oh, yeah. he gave us the second goal and the absolute jump we had. And to Dallas's credit, when we went up 2 nothing, they pushed back and they had us on their heels for the last 10 minutes of the first period. But when we went back in the room, the actual, I thought I was in my kid's peewee locker room winning a champion. Like the guys were so giddy, so excited. We barely had to say a word of the kid. He couldn't come back out, but our guys were so jacked. I don't know if you recall that second period. It was oh, the yeah. best second period we played in years. We outchanced them 15 to nothing. We outshot them 22 to one. We outscored them three nothing. It was the only blowout in the series. So the actual lift that gave us, it was, it was just, you honestly, we're sitting back. We're like, did that just happen? And it just gave us. And then, and then basically we knew he was unavailable after that. And, and for a mental, okay, he's done. He's not coming back. He's not going to walk through that door and save us offensively. And it's just, it literally could not have played out any better. And it was just, it just, it was an unbelievable situation. 
Cool. Yeah, I mean, and for him to get a goal, is, you know, what was his first shot of the, the game or first shot coming back? I mean, to win a Stanley Cup and actually, you know, have some time on the ice, it's great for him. Yeah. For well, sure. his energy, it's, it's, it's one thing to be – to try to lead from the room. He, he wasn't part of it, and, and he was positive. He was positive around the room. But when you're not part of it, you're not part of it. Uh, but once he played that part and he played an actual role on the ice, uh, the boost he gave us in the locker room after that, and it was probably the first time you and I sat back and I'm like, man, we might win this thing. Outside of catching all the guys getting in trouble early on at the <laughs> hotel in Toronto, when, uh, boy, I like the swag of this team, we might actually win this thing. That was the, the actual real time, like, yeah, we might win this thing. From a, stand, from a fan standpoint, you know, spectating, it, it seemed to me that that was the momentum shifter. I, I really had no doubt you guys were going to end up taking the cup. Yeah, and 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 it and it was a big momentum, and and it was such a unique situation. That bubble was such a mental battle and drag. There were so many of those ups and downs, and to get one of those highs, uh, the way it happened organically like that, you know, it, it might have been it might have been the turning point in the series for sure. Yeah, and I mean, for the guys that have families and kids, you know, especially kids, you know, it's it's a lot harder to be away. You know, the guys that are twenty two. Yeah, whatever, man. Play fucking Xbox, whatever you got to do to get through it. You know, you don't feel too bad for them. It's the guys that are away from their families. But, you know, how good was Braden Point, man? I mean, what what a fucking awesome player. Spectacular. Not, not like I see it every day. That wasn't a surprise to me. He, he truly is our best player. And that's no disrespect to Kucherov or any of the guys. And, you know, I would put Tony Sorelli in just as valuable in the role. Like, I see those guys every day. And a little bit of a hidden secret around the league. They don't get the the superstar notoriety some other guys get, but he he's he's that special. He was the guy that was a game changer type player, type athlete. And when you uh, when you really felt it really felt it was the uh, the two games he missed in the Islander series. We lost those are the only two games we lost. And, you know, outside of maybe Victor Hedman, I don't know if we could have afforded a worse loss to an injury uh, in Brain Point. And just him, the, what he fought through with his growing, and um, he started to get a little healthy as the finals went on. I mean, he, he's that special. He's that much of a difference maker. And, you know, I'm really happy for him and um, that he was able to hoist the cup too. Yeah. Does Victor Hedman have to walk through the locker room door sideways or? <laughs> He's like again, and 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 boy, obviously we're sitting here, Stanley Cup champions. Everyone probably elevates their game a little bit, but him in particular, and he's a special player. We, you know, we get to see it every day, and you know, there's times he's not at his best. There's times, you know, he'll get lost positionally around the ice at times. But he's still such a, a special, unique talent. But his playoff was just amazing, and just what a luxury to be able to play him you know, 27, 28 minutes and have that difference maker nonstop. And he was just possessed too. He just had a feel and look to him whole series where he just was not going to be denied. And so uh, it was pretty special to watch. Yeah, when not even from, when you're from the outside looking in, I, I would say, I mean, he looks like he's like the size of a fucking tree on the ice. You know what I mean? Like he, he just stands out like in, insanely, but I know, I know, I, I don't know if anybody else has any more questions, but Derek, I mean, as far as we go, I mean, we appreciate this big time as far as you coming on and you spent 
hell of a lot of time on here. I think we've kept you longer than we said we said you would. But uh, Mark, you want to ask one more thing or something, or or, or what? Well, yeah, I would just say I would just say go. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, Victor Hedman, every time he was watching a game, it was like he was scoring a goal, right? He's defensive. 11 right? goals or something like that. I right? mean, just like, oh, Victor Hedman, Victor Hedman. It's like, holy shit, this guy's fucking awesome. You know, like, it was amazing. And the names he was with in, in the history of the Stanley Cup with that many goals, it was just – and we kept laughing because you know, we had the TV at our feet, and that graphic would always come up, and he'd be up there with Bobby Orr. And, and there's Kelly yeah, yeah, as a staff, we were joking, like, boy, I like our chances. You know, if he keeps – if he gets in double digits, and sure enough, he did, and uh, he was a big part of it. For sure. Yeah, man, like Derek was saying, we probably kept you on a little longer, but it's been awesome talking to you. Obviously, it seems easy to talk to uh, North Country boys uh, talking to each other. It seems to go pretty good, and uh, we appreciate that. And, uh, you know, hopefully all the Messina boys up there and the Brazier boys get to hear this shit. And, uh, you know, wish you the best of luck over there in Tampa. Yeah. I'm over in Port St. Lucie, which is actually like straight across the state from you. And I'm loving it down here myself. Been down here a year. Uh, you know, can't can't go wrong in Florida, that's for sure. But, you know, w- what a great feat in Stanley Cup champion. And, uh, you know, w- one more question, I guess. Did anybody say don't drop that fucking cup in the ocean? I mean, <laughs> I just thought, I just assumed it was a given that was going to happen. I think, again, it's like my wife, there's such low expectations. uh, And when it didn't happen, it was such a success. Oh, my God. As I see it on a jet ski, I'm like, man, what the fuck? They dropped that thing in the ocean. (laughs) Divers out there. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Derek, and uh, we would love to get you on again next year or when you're a head coach somewhere uh, in the NHL. Uh, it's a pleasure, and uh, we hope we can have you uh, guest a few more times. Uh, anytime. That was an absolute blast. Uh, anything North Country, I've got plenty of time for. So that was awesome, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks right, for Derek. coming on, Derek. Thanks, Derek. Bless you, man. Congratulations. Thanks, Congratulations. Yep. Fellas, have you checked yourself lately? Did you know that testicular cancer is the most common cancer in men ages 15 to 35? Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to teach you how to check yourself for testicular cancer. First, you'll want to take a warm shower. Second, use both hands to gently roll your little fellas one at a time between your fingers, checking for lumps, change in size, or any pain. If you feel a soft tube on top or behind your testicles, don't panic. This is the epididymis, and it's totally normal. We recommend checking yourself once a month. And if you do feel any lumps or swelling, then talk to your doctor right away. Hello? So, fellas, make sure you check it and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Share this video to help spread awareness. All right, boys, what an awesome uh, interview with Derek Lalone, the, the assistant coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Stanley Cup champion. Uh, that interview was brought to you by Dormy. Uh, the Dormy Workshop has been a big sponsor of us lately, and we, we wanted to give them a good, good shout-out here. Uh, Robbie, why don't you give them a little endorsement about what their products are and uh, what they do there? Cover yeah, Dormy Workshop, Dormy uh, Head Covers has some, you know, custom leather Head covers, they're, they're really cool. Ours are coming in a few weeks. Um, you can imagine with COVID, they're a little behind, but they're coming. 
Uh, we'll be able to show you guys. We're going to be able to, uh, you know, give some away so you guys can actually have a Blue Line Hockey Club cover. Um, but uh, go to dormyworkshop.com. Use the code BLHC for free shipping to U.S. and Canada. Um, these are $130 covers. Uh, so to save uh, shipping, you know, that's pretty good money. Yep. Yeah. So don't be leaving that shit on the course. You know, you take your head yeah, cover yeah. off and it's like, oh, fuck, where did I leave that? 130 bucks later. But, uh, yeah, Dormy Workshop, awesome stuff. Check them out. Um, let's get back to talking a little about what Derek had to say. Awesome to have him on tonight. Actually had him on for quite quite a bit of time, longer than we uh, expected. But, you know, when we're talking to good friends, like people from the North Country, that happens. You know, what a good guy. Un uh, unbelievable for these guys in the North Country. Like we talked about, Zach Bogosian's obviously a player. But for a guy to be a coach, to get to that level. Because, you know, he, he could have fucking went to the Senators or Detroit or – you know, some shitbag team that sucks, you know, like he went to the Tampa Bay fucking lightning. I mean, what better team can you go to? What coach could call you and say, Hey, do you want to come here? And you're thinking about it. Like, what are you thinking yeah. about me? And they were like the best team in the fucking league. Go. But thank you, know? you said no at first. <laughs> yeah, right. That's hilarious. He's like, no. But seriously though, I mean, it was like fucking the, the Tampa Bay lightning. I mean, they obviously were a favorite the year before, uh, when he was there, obviously, so maybe he was a little bit different from uh, 2018. But what a what a great uh, you know thing for him as far as the, the team that called him was a, a team of that caliber. You know, even as a player, you see it. You know, you get traded and you get traded to uh, you know a Senators or Detroit or you know some other team that's been you know the LA or whoever it is at the bottom of the barrel of the standings. But you know, it's kind of a little bit like he said, the luck of the draw. You take luck any day to go to the, you know, get that phone call from the team that's, uh, you know, got a great yeah, I mean, chance to win. It's just, uh, it's a different story when you have a family, right? You, you just, like Derek said tonight, that it's it's a league where you can get fired. I mean, after when they lost uh, Columbus in the first round last year, he said, oh, shit, I'm going to get fired. You know, what, what's next for me? And it's, you know, some of those we had Jack Parker on last week who – you know, was a, a college coach for BU for 40 years, and he was comfortable there. He knew he could stay there, retire there, and, then, you know, to move up to that next level um, is always, you know, we've seen it, I think, in a few podcasts ago. We talked about, what was it, last year, that how many coaches got fired. I mean, it was one right after another. Um, so it's, it's do I want to bounce around my young family, you know, have them bounce around, uh, from city to city, or do I want to, you know, get comfortable here at this uh, University of Denver and be the assistant coach and then head coach for the next 25 years? So it's a little risky, same as players too, but uh, uh, I paid off for Derek. Uh, like Derek Derek here on uh, He Too said that, does he shit fairy dust? He's been lucky, and it <laughs> sounds like he's a good coach and he knows what he's doing, and um, – Great to uh, see yeah. him be successful. It's awesome, especially. It's, yeah, it's interesting though. It's interesting though, isn't it though? Like certain people just seem to live like kind of like a charmed life, man. It's like, how do you go? I mean, obviously he's got. I would say this is like the the strange thing about his career is that like everywhere he went, he just he, he wins. I mean, he, yeah. he that's everywhere, and so you know it's it's kind of like I don't know. It's like 
Bill Belichick's, Andy Reid's of the NFL, like everywhere they go, you know, it's just success breeds, you know, success. I don't, I don't know what the uh, magic formula is, but I guess it's shitting fairy dust or whatever, whatever else it is. But I mean, it's, it's crazy, like to see certain people just no matter where they go. Obviously, he's very talented. He connects with his players um, on a different level, probably than most. And it's just a matter of time before he's a head coach, you know, somewhere. Yeah, it seems like he, I mean, it could be could be this year, guys. I mean, he really yeah, could yeah. be. I mean, th- you know, there, there's some vacancies that could be filled. I mean, where the NHL is, they you know toss him to the fucking wolves um, as quickly as you, you know quickly as we can, can be expected. But uh, he might be an NHL coach this year. Who knows? Yeah. You never know. I mean, it's tough. They're firing them every day. And they're firing well, every day. The, yeah. Dallas, the Dallas Stars head coach used to be the Tampa Bay Lightning's assistant coach. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very likely that he could move on to, you know, that head yeah. coach. Yeah, the, the Devils had 17 coaches last year. You know, you never know. <laughs> yeah. They actually just, they actually yeah, just you know. hired their uh, full-time coach uh, this past week. And, and maybe this is the guy. I don't know. Well, and he even said, you know, if he, he's living for today and if he continues to be a, a assistant coach, guess what, guys? His fucking name's on the cup. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be a head coach within the next year or two. No doubt about it. Yeah. We definitely. had the uh, NHL draft last night. What would you guys think of that, Derek? You uh, got Alex Lafreniere, number one, going Lafreniere. to the Rangers. Lafreniere. Yep. Can't beat it. Can't beat her. I mean – He's the real deal of Andrew Holyfield. Like the Rangers are going to be legit in um, two years. Give him two years, and we'll be talking about David Quinn getting his name on the Stanley Cup. Uh, I hope Quentin, so. Quentin Byfield went number two old two overall to Los Angeles Kings. He was the first uh, um, black kid to or black guy to go that high in the draft. So that was big another, kid. Big kid. Big yeah, two hundred forty pounds. I mean. There's, There's some chatter out there that he might be as good or, or possibly, you know, better than Lafreniere. Though. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is with the, the, the NHL draft, you know, we watch the first five or six. But then, you know, as you get deeper in that draft, like how many of these guys are actually coming to the NHL this year, you know. So yeah. It's usually just different. The, usually different the first round, they, they usually um, slide right into the uh, – um, uh, they make the roster, the third or fourth line. Uh, Ottawa had a couple of big picks. I think they had three or four picks in the first round, so that helps Tim out. Anderson uh, from the USA team. US, yeah, uh, yeah, so they got they got some boys up there. Jake Sanderson, yeah. So NHL isn't the same anymore, though, man. It, it, these guys, these young guys, are going to contribute right away. And you know, when you look at the Rangers, I would say, I mean, Quinner's got like, you know, he's got a pretty high expectations at this point, man. He's got a like, young squad that's completely loaded. You got the first, you know, first overall pick that's, you know, considered to be like, you know, the next Sidney Crosby kind of player. You know I mean? Like he's got a lot of pressure on him. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, he may have a couple of year window, but he, he's got to start, you know, the Rangers got to perform, man. They got a young squad that is stacked. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think uh, you – the, the players make you a, a better coach, right? The players that David Quinn has can only make him a better coach, right? If I sure. was uh, Dave Blasma out in Detroit, I mean, it sucks because he got shitty players. But David sure. Quinn has good players, so he's going to be a good coach, you know? So the players That's you draft. I mean, the pressure's on. So, like, if he yeah. he has all these great players, I mean, if these guys don't perform or 
you know, they underperform, that's that's a problem for sure. Yeah. I mean, look yeah, at the Hughes kid. I don't think that's going to be a problem for the, the Rangers. So I think you guys are right. Uh, we've said it here several times. In the next three years, Quinny's going to have his team, and they're going to be, uh, you know, cup contenders, I think. I just don't know if in the NHL you have a three-year window. You know what I mean? Like, he's got to perform, like, he's got to perform now, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. see how it happens. Yeah, yeah and you, you see these, uh, like, we, we've been talking about, some of these defensemen are the ones that are performing. And, you know, the Hughes kids, like, where were, where were you, man? You know, like, you're supposed to be this all-star, you know, but he's young as shit, right? So you're expecting this kid, you know, so young to come in and perform with the Devils. Um, but meanwhile, his brother is like to, the guy to talk about, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, it's hard for these kids. You think about it, if, if it was us and we skip college and we go to the NHL and you're supposed to fucking be with these men, right? That, that's what the thing with college and juniors and all this shit does is get you ready to, to play with these men, you know, because at 18, you're a lot different than when you're 21, you yeah, know, and, and I think Derek, Derek said it earlier that the NHL's kind of going to you know with going a new way with these young players and the style of play that the NHL wants now the fast pace, less checking and clutch and grab. They don't have to keep the uh, the old timers around, the big boys, the Chris Pronger anymore because they don't need those big boys to clutch and grab and hold. Now it's in with the new and out with the old. So these, you know, Minnesota Wilds are a prime example of that. They had all these old guys on the roster. They thought it was going to bring them some fortune. But, I mean, all these teams with the younger players seem to be doing better because they're faster. You you get to – your cap space is better. You get these young kids in there, paying them one, two million dollars a year. Compared to Koivu or Zach Parisi, who's getting eight, nine million dollars a year, um, it's a whole different formula now, for sure. That's NHL. it, Patrick. Man, that's it, Patrick. I mean, they they got you know, you get as many guys on a rookie, you know, rookie salary as you can, you know. And yeah. if you can, if you're a good GM and you can get all these, you know, as many guys as you can on a rookie contract, mix in a few high paid veterans, you know, that's that's the that's the recipe for success in the NHL now. You got to get like you know. Young guys contributing really early, low salary cap hit, mixing a few veterans, and that's how that's the way to succeed yeah. in the NHL. And that's the way to succeed in, in honestly, in every pro sport to this, you know, right now. Yeah. So um, I think the older guys, you know, they're the ones that are going to sign that one year deal, you know, to be the locker room guy, to be the leader, to be the person that's been there before. Like we talked about Thornton and some of these other guys that. Well, they're happy to do it, man, because they're going to get they're getting phased out. They're happy to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like look at it from our standpoint, like it's a little different. Like, oh, I'll offer you a million bucks, you know, a fucking million dollars, dumb fuck. Like <laughs> it's a lot of fucking money to most Americans. You know, like, you know, you're going to play fucking hockey for a million dollars. Like. That's pretty yeah. goddamn good, you know. And, That's, and Tampa's the prime example. I mean, you got Kucher, you got a couple guys that are making nine point five. Kucherov and the goalie, uh, Vasilevsky, Stamkos, um, Victor Hedman, yeah, Ryan McDonough, Braden Point, and then and then as you get down there, you know, they're making four and one and one point seven and one point eight and one point six. And I mean, Tampa had you know almost five thousand dollars left over in salary cap this year they won yep. the stanley cup and they had five thousand dollars extra 
a salary cap. So like Derek said, you get a couple of those top guys up there, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four million dollars, and then you have the one point two, one point three, one point four, and yep. that's what it takes to win the Stanley Cup. Yes, yeah. sir. I think I think the NHL like done a good job with NBC, uh, NBCSN. Uh, they've had some you know success with that. I think the next level for them is the the next network to come on and, and see the value in the sport as it's grown. Uh, whether it's ESPN getting involved, uh, that's where the money comes in. You know, like look at these M- NFL players. Like uh, you talk about Derek's boy there, um, Mahomes for, making Mahomes for the million, Chiefs, like seven hundred million. He, they're getting so much money from DirecTV and, you know, these networks that they can afford to pay these players. That's the next step for the NHL. You know, who's the next TV contract that comes in and says people are watching hockey again? You know, like it took a long time from the lockout when people said, fuck you, hockey, we're not watching it anymore, to where they are at today. Um, you know, they have the big Fox contract which is like the local shit but that's not yeah. that's not big money like ESPN. NBC, SN, yeah ESPN's talking about getting into the hockey scene and uh i heard that going around social media but the the cap due to the covid staying at 81.5 so that kind of sucks it usually goes up like two million dollars every year 2.7 i think so it's staying at 81.5 <laughs> this year so that kind of hurts even nbc though like we talk about it you're not putting the game. They're not putting the Stanley Cup Finals on NBC every game, right? That's on MB- NBCSN, right? So, yeah, your primetime station still isn't even getting the finals of the fucking sport, right? So, you can bump off American Ninja fucking Warrior one night, right? You know, like that's that's my concern. Why the fuck is NBC playing paying uh, playing American Ninja Warrior? Where the fuck it is? Dale you Jr. Know? Dale Jr.'s podcast. I mean, I love Dale Jr. <laughs> I want to watch the fucking Stanley Cup final. For real? I'm going to change the channel. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. yeah so I mean, it's just, yeah, it's kind of crazy, you know. Like, at what point is it gonna? That's where the the salaries are gonna get. Um, salary caps are gonna go up, and the money's <laughs> gonna come in because you know these other sports like baseball, football, huge contracts. Basketball is having a huge like ratings problem right now right so maybe if that happens the nhl can step in and, and get some of that tv viewership because their finals have been down like 60 percent or something like that so i did yeah. i did read that espn is going to pick up the yeah trying to make a bid for the nhl next year so which yeah. is huge once it's a bidding war like you know that's that's what happens with the, the nfl right so i mean direct the bubble, TV. the bubble the bubble made them uh you know, highly intriguing. You know, the the NHL, like Rob said during this podcast, the NHL knocked it out of the park. So they, you know, that that they just like you know up the ante for uh, networks picking them up. So I think I, I think it's kind of like a no brainer. I think going forward, you know, the NHL is taking a back seat, but you're going to see these major networks pick these guys up. They did they did it right. They did it well. Um, I think you're going to see that going forward for sure. Yeah, I, I think uh, a big part of that was as well, you know, if you think back when, when the pause happened, we had nothing on TV. Yeah. Golf had just come back. Yeah. So when hockey, you know, started and they were, you know, doing good, everyone's holding their fucking their fingers together. We, we had nothing else to watch. So a lot of people scooped in there and started watching. I was watching three, four, five games a day 
<laughs> I, I mean, we had nothing better to do. It was the best, though. It was the best when you had a hockey yeah. game after a hockey game after a hockey game. Like, this is this is awesome, right? This never happened before. Um, you know, in a you know, regular season, you know, you got your West Coast games around at midnight or 10 o'clock to midnight. You know, you can't, you can't watch that stuff. But Yeah, I mean, uh, these, well, these little networks that want to start uh, making some money, I mean, what else sport? Football's got their major networks. Baseball has their major networks. And now these little ESPNs and um, NBC, you know, they want a piece of the, the pie too. So where do we go? Yeah, and don't forget that ESPN is also ABC, right? So that's a huge, that's part of that big network. uh, uh, Yeah, NBC or ESPN owns ABC, right? So ESPN comes in, then you also, that's why you see football games on ABC sometimes. Um, That'd be a huge thing for for hockey. And I think that's the next step for the the whole um, money-wise. You don't see a a hockey player making $45 million a year. I mean, that's the life of their whole fucking career for like a stud, right? So, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. if you break down Mahomes' contract, I mean, how much does he get paid per game? I mean, I don't know. Fucking. Gajillion. $3 million a game or something? Three to five, I would say. Every breath he takes is like 100 grand. I don't know. Snap, yeah. Yeah. So we had the draft. This, that's exciting uh, that we had this week. Uh, obviously, we're going to have a big pause. And they, uh, Pat is telling us that the, the league's coming back on the first for the next uh, 2021. Yeah, January 1st is what they're, uh, you know, who knows, but that's what's uh, what they have on projected. paper. Yeah, projected. So we'll not have, too long, fellas. Two couple months. No, you know? We'll have a little break. We'll have some podcasts in there here and there. We get some guests on and... Uh, um, big trades going on, but um, yeah, we're, Derek Lalone was like our uh, um, send-off of the NHL season. We got to talk with the uh, assistant coach of the 2020 Stanley Cup championship team, and uh, we'll get some uh, uh, players on here every once in a while. And, uh, we have uh, Mano Man- 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 at the oh, end yeah. of the month, so and we will have one more at the end of the month. Yep, so we'll have sporadic podcasts coming out there. For sure, check out all of our podcasts on our website. It's bluelinehockeyclub.com. Uh, if you want to listen to any of the 112 interviews that we've done before this one, go to our website. We also have updated stuff on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so check that out. Like us, follow us, and all that good stuff, too. Help us promote this podcast because we're doing good things over here at the Blue Line Hockey Club. We just want to give one more shout-out to Dormy Workshop. Uh, definitely very cool if you're a sports person and you want to have a really cool custom head cover for your golf bag uh, get on their website check that out all right boys another great night of blue line hockey club with Derek alone tonight and uh, until next time keep your stick on the ice do you we know oh doctor keep your head up yeah.